Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm very fortunate to have a friend and colleague, Nikkei Roach, which I hope I pronounced correctly. Nikkei is an expert at massage marketing and business. So uh, Nikkei, when you're dealing with massage marketing, that's going to be of interest to our fans and followers. Uh, Lots of massage therapists work with me, train with me uh, in various ways, follow along. Um, What do you what do you think are like maybe the top three things massage therapists need in their sort of marketing master plan that you don't see in the marketplace currently? Okay. And that requires a higher level answer first. Um, the first part of it is, is first you have to, and I always advise my, my clients to first make money your friend. I think that's fundamental with any marketing strategy is make money your friend. And I don't mean to be a a money hungry idiot or anything like that. I mean, you know, be comfortable with making obscene amount of money in your profession. Be comfortable with that. And then from there, then you can decide what path to go to. So I like to tell them first, money is not an enemy. Just because you're a holistic practitioner doesn't make you bad if you desire money um, to start your business practice. And then from there. We go into a little detective, what I call the Columbo strategy, and is really finding out what are the things that they need um, to explore because each marketing strategy is different and it all depends on, you know, whether their likes, their dislikes, and uh, we go from there. So more of like a personality assessment for their business is kind of what it sounds like. Exactly. You you really want to find out because, you know, if we, if we use a, 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 a restaurant, for an example, you know, each market is different. You know, some people may like Burger King. Some people might like Chick-fil-A. Some people might like, you know, Hardee's or whatever is, you know, Popeye's or Bojangles or KFC. If you want to go to chicken style, um, it's really finding out first, what are your likes? And then from there, you can decide what are patterns or pattern interrupts to be able to, to penetrate the market and uh, let folks know how awesome you are. And you can turn that into uh, dividends. Man, that's such a higher level conversation for a lot of therapists. I, I can hear therapists just going, well, "I just need, a, I just need some clients. How do I get clients?" <laughs> it, it's it's sort of like, how do you need to get some clients to first decide what kind of clients you want? Because I, when I first got started, and this was way back when, before you know, God was in diapers and and whatever you know was doing some stuff. I, you know, it was get out there, put your flyer out, and uh, go from there. And that worked, but then you get everybody. And everybody is not right for you. I mean, if, if you're a clinical practitioner, then you're going to tap into a whole different market demographics than somebody who just want to do just a Swedish based massage. If you're more technical and you require and you spent thousands of dollars on your education. Now, we're not talking about CEUs and that's a whole different ballgame. But we're talking about just your level of education and your expertise. You've gone on besides whatever your state requires or your municipality. If you're dealing in California, you go on and, and you've spent, you know, upwards of 20, 30, 40, 50 thousand dollars. And when I talk when I talk to therapists, I want to find out how much was your education. And if they tell me, well, with about two thousand dollars, they're like, you know where you're coming from. But if you talk to somebody who's gone and traveled and seen their mentor and spent three thousand dollars for a course, they've gone to Asia and studied Thai massage for an extended period of time, which requires logistics, requires lodging and a whole host of things. When you calculate that all, then you know the conversation to have, because once you understand and value who you are as a practitioner, 
then you should have no problem, you know, getting the public to compensate you for said education, advanced learning, and then go from there. And then your market should, your, your, your strategic marketing should emphasize that versus I have a colleague, you know, next to me um, named Steven, and he did the massage envy thing. But then he realized for that wasn't for him. So he went on to beyond massage envy and he went into clinical practitioner. He's he's very good at what he's a big guy. I mean, he's really big and he's gone on to courses and he's taking stuff and he's taking stuff locally at, at, at some of the medical schools. And so he he's a true clinical practitioner and he charges accordingly. Different than somebody who's just wants anybody to lay on their table. Yeah. The target market, though, if I talk to therapists, I see this in class all the time. I teach technique because that's what students want. You know, they want CE classes, technique. I give that to them. And then as I do that, I give them 10% extra and like, hey, what's your target market? And they go, I don't know. I work on people. <laughs> and I'm like, more specific. <laughs> you know, I, I, and this is just me. I would think massage therapists, and, I, and, I, and I'm finding that, and some are really good on this. And, and it, you sort of got to consider yourself almost like a chiropractor. And, and I'm going to go here for a minute there. Because a, a chiropractor has two jobs. They are a clinician in their particular profession, but they are professional marketers. Because often, and, and unless you're in a group practice, and they're a group practice, chiropractic, or but the majority of the chiropractors that I know of and many people know, they're an owner-operator. So they have to know, are they working with a particular population? Is it elderly? Is it athletes? Is it people who are on certain insurances? Or is it, or is it self-pay? Once they know who they're dealing with, then you look at, and, and in my town, you can tell their marketing strategy is totally different. And you understand why they command so much. And they're like, well, this person charged me this for this adjustment. And they're like, well, you're cheaper across town. It's like, okay, because you're not, you're not for me. And as a massage therapist, I think you have to become comfortable with saying no to the wrong person so that somebody else can love them to appreciate it, and they can love on them because they are the right person. Not everybody's right for your table. Not everybody's right for your business. And when you become comfortable with that, then you have no problem charging more, designing a marketing strategy that protects you. And I think that's, um, I often tell young therapists, be careful that you don't burn yourself out before the desire leaves you. You know, your desire for, as a practitioner might last you know, 20, 30 years, but your body may not function. But if you're just getting in, you know, these $25, $35, you know, people just so you can get folks on the table and get busy, that'll burn you out really quickly. You start knocking down nine, you know, and I know some practitioners who, who survived maybe about two years by knocking down, you know, traditional Swedish deep tissue forceful type techniques. And they're doing seven and eight and nine sessions a day. Two and a half years later, they're done. So protecting your business so that you can you can be compensated for your professionalism at the level that you believe that you should. But the first thing you have to do, and I think I think I, I, I and I say this and I talk to them all the time. I say first you gotta you gotta deal with the uh, the marketing between your ears first. Once you clear that out, it's good to go. <laughs> if they're willing to study. And if they're willing to engage in self-study, 
okay. I can tell students talk to me and they think, well, Robert's an educator and he's got a successful business. And <laughs> Robert knows what he's doing. And I'm like, no, yeah, I'm just standing on a, I'm just standing on a mountain of failure and I'm just where I am now. Like I'm constantly, you know, tweaking, trying to figure out how do you make it better. And I think that process just evolves for any successful business person. I agree 100%. And I think sometimes students and clients, and I, I suspect your students are the same as many students in different genres, is they don't, they see your success, but I don't think they really appreciate the the mountain of failure. This is probably <laughs> you. And, and it, it's or the, the work. I mean, you don't see the work. You, you don't see like, you know, when somebody's just starting a podcast, and, you know, one of my mentors in podcast said, he said, you should see my first podcast. It was atrocious. But he said, I always show people to look at all of my podcasts from the year when I first got started to today. And you'll realize that I sucked. And that's good. <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you know, you will the more you do it, you will suck less. And it's true with any as a as a practitioner, when you first got out of school, you were okay, but when you were in school, you probably sucked. But now as a professional, you probably suck less. And as you go on and you learn more techniques and you learn from great mentors and teachers and, you know, you know, open your mind up to new learning and continue to open your mind to new learning that you will probably suck less. <laughs> we'll take just a quick break. Hey guys, we want to make sure that you know about the Reboot Insiders Club, our subscription service you can join for free for your first month. And for $7 a month thereafter, we are the cutting edge of interactive online education. It is a completely free trial for your first month. You can unsubscribe at any time. You can find that in addition to workbooks, DVDs, or upcoming classes in, let's see, Arkansas, Dallas, North Carolina, Virginia Beach, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, you can sign up for any of that at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. And again, I have Nikkei Roach. Very happy to have him on the show. And Nikkei, can you tell them again a little bit about yourself and where they can contact you, maybe on Instagram or whatever social media you use? Oh, probably. Yes. I'm, I'm an easy person to find. I think I'm one of the very few people who have a shoe company and a bug in the same title. So <laughs> I mean, just think of Nike shoes, Nikkei Roach. I can be found on more preferably Facebook. Um, I do a lot more on LinkedIn than I did in the past, but I'm spending a lot more time over there. So Nikkei Roach, just whatever it is, Nikkei Roach. I am on, on Instagram as well, but not as much. I'm kind of backing off out of Instagram or you're welcome to go to NikkeiRoach.com. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Massage Marketing Secrets. Nice. Yep, it's on Anchor. It's, on, it's pretty much on Anchor and pretty much most of the different platforms. I think it's on seven or eight different platforms now. Nice. So continue what you were saying about what you see in massage marketing for therapists, kind of getting their mind right um, about money, about target marketing for clients. Like what errors do you see therapists making that you think you wish you could just, you know, shuttle them into success? Like you wish you could just through osmosis, put that information in. I think one of the biggest mistakes um, that, and and this is when I was when I was in when I was a CEU provider that was my biggest critic, um, 
and I, I, I criticize myself as well. So I'm not criticizing, you know, just everybody else. I'm criticizing myself is the emphasis on oftentimes discounts. <laughs> and what I mean by discounts is if you're offering a discount in your marketing and it doesn't matter what it is, you know, it could be a 50% off. It could be whatever it is, a trial, have a reason for doing it. And, and what I mean a reason for doing it is not just to get somebody to the door. What is your next step? So if you're thinking in a marketing strategy, think of it this way. You think of it in steps. Each step is where the next person goes. Your most profitable slam dam kumbaya product means that that person is going to ah, be awesome. Maybe $5,000 to $10,000 program. That's way back there in the back. But if that's your goal, then you have to go in reverse. So what I mean is if you have a comprehensive wellness program that you develop for massage therapists or your clients or your patients or whatever, and it is a $5,000 to $10,000 product, now you're going to have to build it in with all kinds of stuff like that. And it's up to you. I mean, it could be $2,000. It could be $1,000. It could be $500. It didn't really matter. It can be $497, which is a very good price, by the way. It's a good price point. I've tested it out. Um, and then backtrack. So if it's 497 is your program, which is a comprehensive, maybe there's learning, there's some teaching, there's some videos, whatever it is that you do, then you backtrack down the steps. So think of it almost like you're building a platform, but you sort of build it in reverse. You go from the goal, which is they're at 497, all the way back down to maybe it's a, I don't know, $27 come in my door, but have a reason for the discount. Just getting them to the door is not a good enough reason because it's the rule and it's not our business model only. It's any business model that I've studied and I looked at a lot of different models. The cheapest can always be undercut. So if you charge $47 and you know, or whatever is appropriate in your area, some people is $97, some people is $47. I've even seen people say $27. That is weird. But somebody can just come back and say, I'm gonna be 26. If you fight in price, you're going to lose the battle unless you're going against a big powerhouse who can fail. And I'll give you an example just to make it make it a little clear. Amazon was unprofitable for 19 years. It took them 19 years before they became profitable. Why? And they were cheap. They're still cheap, but they can lose a lot. They have a billion dollar, billions of dollar market. Do you have that? So being able to find out what is your strategy if your strategy is to start them out then you have to graduate them up to whatever is the goal in your business so have a reason for the discount just to get them to the door just to be the the lowest and if you find out that um for example if you find out that you're cheaper than your competitor you will inadvertently sabotage business around your community and you will cause the industry in your area to go down and, and make it suffer for everybody in the community. So I always encourage my clients, don't be the cheapest in the area. If anything, try to be the most expensive. The most expensive gives you the most leeway. I talk to students and I go and I express to them very much. I'm very much a fan 
of, in certain circumstances, extending a discount to someone, I'm in complete private practice, to someone who has a severe medical need or financial need or both. Absolutely. And I can, I I can choose that on a case by case basis. Absolutely. They're 19 years old. They just had a car accident. Listen, come on in. I understand. I, I got into massage from a car accident. At the same time, I'm charging a premium and you want to draw clients who can afford the service and afford the service regularly. Exactly. And I tell them, do you want to work on broke people? And it's not because I think people without money don't deserve massage. That's not it. It means that I have to pay my bills. I have to pay my mortgage. I have to provide for my family and food. And I have to be able to take care of my own body so I can keep doing this. Absolutely. No one wants to haggle with someone who can't quite afford it. Right. So you target, you know, people of a higher income bracket. And often that's also higher than the massage therapist necessarily grew up in. I don't think massage therapists go into our work to make money first and foremost. (laughs) So they tend to think, well, I grew up poor, you're broke, and everybody's broke like me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) I I would like to say, you know, most of the – it's kind of funny. Most of the wealthiest people in the world grew up poor. They didn't stay that way. It's just you, you, you have to, like you said, you have to graduate out of that mentality and you have to, you, it's sort of interesting because in, in my community, there, we, we, we have a teaching hospital. We're in, a, we're in a medical, we have two things. We have a law school and a medical school. And there's a lot of, a lot of physicians as well as lawyers who do things pro bono, a lot of pro bono work. But the reason they do pro bono work is be, is not because, you know, they just want to give it away. It's because somebody else <laughs> is making it possible for them to devote the time and feel openly, you know, that they want to give it. Like somebody who's in a car accident or, you know, whatever. It's a case by case basis. And you whatever moves your heart, whatever, whatever mission that you have on this earth, if that moves your heart, then go for it. But don't give away your profession, you know appreciate your profession. You're a health, you're a medical practitioner in different states. You get in a little trouble. Okay. I'm going to go there right there. But I always think I say, and I can say that with authority because many of my patients and clients are physicians and they refer to me as if they're, they're like, you're my primary healthcare practice. I said, I am just a massage therapist. I, you know, I, how do you do that? And they're like, you know more about anatomy. (laughs) I have not studied anatomy in 2030. I had a department chair. Actually, he was the vice president of the medical school. He said, you guys in massage therapy, you are the masters of anatomy. There is nobody other than maybe physical therapists and chiropractors who might be in your league. But anatomy is your is your baby. And we don't touch people. He said, physicians, we don't we just we talk, we tap. And we're out of the room. You guys are, are the one of the very few practitioners who spend so much time with hands-on. Therefore, you spot things faster. And understand yeah. you spot things faster than your doctors can ever do. And no, in different states, you can't even go down that route. So we're not going to go there. So that's a big disclaimer. Don't go out there and say you're a doctor of this body unless you went to a medical school. But doctors, pref- I, and I find this in my community, doctors appreciate when you help them to understand the profession. And if you understand how important you are in the medical, you know, kind of lexicon, then you have no problem, you know, deciding, you know, this is what I want to do. And don't feel bad. And here's the other side of it. If you want to charge less, 
don't feel guilty if that's what you want to do. But at the same time, don't complain about bills if you don't charge. Yeah. We'll take just another quick break. Cool. Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. We've mentioned previously we have a subscription service that is completely free for your first month. There are over 500 hours of my class recordings. You can think of it as an online apprenticeship. We think of ourselves as the cutting edge of interactive online education in the massage industry. You can access that in addition to classes, workbooks, DVDs, materials. I've got classes coming up, I think, in Arkansas, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Chicago, Illinois, and we're working on schedules of some others. But uh, we've got those available all in the store at robertgardnerwellness.com. And we're back in the podcast. Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast and Nikkei Roach. Can you tell them once again where they can find you online? Be happy to. You can find me on social media like LinkedIn, um, Instagram, but also at NikkeiRoach.com. Nice. Yeah, I um I, I started um focusing on this recently because of the teaching process. I get lots of feedback from therapists about our work, our shared work, working with clients. And one of the things I never really focused on this word, but massage therapy by its very nature is intimate. Very. We're connecting very deeply with uh, clients. And when we get the right clients, they're like good friends. They're the people that connect with us so deeply where they get a session with you, Nikkei, and they're like, no, no, no. Nikkei is not a massage therapist. He's my massage therapist. I don't go see anyone else. <laughs> when you build that sort of rapport, it leads to a setup which is a more natural sort of rebooking. There's a deeper intimacy where they don't feel like they just got a massage. They actually feel like somehow they connected with you specifically. Agreed. Very much so. Very much so. And I'm I'm 100% in agreement. And, and and I always like to to use it. And I'll go back to the marketing side of it. It is connection points. Uh, I call them connection points. Don't worry, it's not my name. It's not mine. I mean, I didn't come up with it, but I'm just going to adopt it as connecting points. How many connecting points do they have to you? If it's price, that's a weak connecting point. But are you? I mean, generally, like you said, we're we're, we're intimate. And there's a lot more about what we do. Um, we are, you know, we're lay advisors and we're listeners. A lot of times we do and we advise and we encourage and we even make recommendations. We don't prescribe unless you're in certain states. So let's get away from that one. But I mean, at least not in North Carolina, you can't do it. Uh, other states may be different. Canada, you might be a little different than us. But um, there's connecting points in, in the stronger bonds you have because things will happen in any relationship. If it's a professional relationship, you may mess up. And when I say mess up, it may be your off day or maybe there's a miscommunication and, and stuff like that. One of the strongest things you can do and massage therapists do it beautifully. But if you make it a little more formal by keeping track and monitoring the relationships that you're building. And, and, and let me give you a little bit more, a, a little clarity there is are you sending them things on a regular basis, either through social media? Or are you sending emails or are you, you know, just sending them, hey, I'm sending you an email to remind you about your appointment. That's OK. 
but what other components do you have in there? Do you have events? Do you invite, um, let's say, you know, knowledge wizards or people who are who are or subject matter? They have a specific subject matter which makes you look better. I have a, a colleague of mine who is a is a they, they're specifically in, in business coaching for corporate world. And we're collaborating now because some of our clients and some of our patients are CEOs of companies and they need help in, you know, just salesmanship in some of their sales staff. And so by collaborating with others, you now have a connecting point the stronger than just price. Price is not a strong enough point. It's like marriage. You don't marry people because it's cheap. Yes, you can go to Las Vegas and get married in whatever, but you're usually marrying for the long haul. Okay. So think of a relationship, not intimate, not like that, but think of it as a relationship that has to have multiple connecting points. The reason why I'm married to my wife is she's my friend. She's our intimate partner. She's my, you know, encourager. She's a mother of my kids. You know, she's my business partner. Think of it that way. What other titles can your patient or client have? You know, they're your advocate. They're your champion. When somebody becomes your advocate and your champion, they're your marketing team. Yep. You need to cultivate that relationship. There were some terms, and, and I don't come from a business background. I was the, the starving artist, massage therapist, who just had enough fire in his belly to try to figure it out and start reading books and <laughs> listening to people like you who knew more about it than I did. And one of the things that happened was you kept running into words like marketing, uh, target marketing, uh, networking, you know, all this stuff, search yeah. engine optimization, SEO, like stuff that I wasn't necessarily interested in initially. And then you realized most of the marketing and then most of the networking in particular, it like it completely changed my perspective of those activities when I thought of it as relationship building. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about it. It's, it's like it's about this. It's a relationship. You're building. When I go to a, when I talk to a banker, it's like, hey, what's going on, Joe? What can I help you with? I don't know anything about banking, <laughs> you know, other than having a checking account. So it's like <laughs> providing a network, providing some relationship building context where he says, well, what do you do? And I say, well, in addition to being a massage therapist, I do a lot of social media marketing. Maybe he has interest, needs help with that. Being able to create dynamic relationships that fostered connection led to money. There you go. There you go. Lee would love money will follow. <laughs> it, it's, it's challenging because I think some of it is just language. That's it. And, and, and again, we, we sort of take away sometimes the, the, the relationship component of it because it sounds better to say, you know, search op, you know, optimization, networking, you know, you, you want to say funnels. I mean, you can use any terminology, but it's all about forming a, a hopefully a mutually beneficial relationship. So it's not a one way street. You know, you go to your bank, you reform a relationship, not just so you can deposit it. But here's the thing. If you think of a bank is sort of they're they're sort of they're looking at you. They're always looking at their check your credit score if it's appropriate. They're looking to see if you have money on deposit. And, and they want to find out if you're you have good character, because, by the way, that is actually a, a key component of banking, as far as, especially small community banks. And the reason why it is mutually beneficial is if you bank there, for example, and I, I loved what you just said. That was beautiful. Um, kudos is you sort of think 
eventually somewhere and you don't know it. So and, and it's not that you're really intentionally doing this and you could and it, and it wouldn't make you a bad person. But you're intentionally asking yourself, how can I help that other person succeed? The bank, what are they looking for? The lawyer, the mother, the father, the child, the, the religious or spiritual leader, the Messiah, what are they looking for? And if you help them find what they are looking for without any strings attached, they'll generally help you and it, not everybody, because it, it's not everybody. Most people don't honestly don't know how to do this effectively. But people in business eventually learn that you can't just do it with a social media presence. You can't just do it with a Google ad. Yeah, you have to build that relationship, like you said. The, you have to continue to do it. The, the The aspect of social media, once I really dove into it, that I think I didn't fully understand until it started popping up, just from frequency of use, was. The networking meeting where you exchange a business card, shake hands with the banker, ask Joe if he has any problems, extended to Twitter. Yep. It extended to Instagram. And I comment and talk to people regularly. Somebody, you know, six months ago, they write something on my YouTube. Hey, I watched one of your videos. It really helped me. Hey, thanks so much. Listen, if you have anything in the future that you need, if you're having problems with it, just let me know. I can make a video and upload it for you. Wow. Really? The, the connection right? Mm -hmm. the, the connection was the thing, like people kept saying, but I don't understand that person's in New York. They can't be a customer. And I'm like, people travel, people have friends and family that travel and people have social media where they can like share and anything that you produce that sits on YouTube or anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Connections, connections. Yeah. Just another quick break. Hey guys, it's Robert with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. If you are interested in studying Thai massage, really high-grade manual therapy to help people in chronic pain, from an acerbic, sardonic sense of humor educator who drinks and gives away CE credit through the NCBTMB, that's me. <laughs> you can find all of that information about my classes, DVDs, uh, including that subscription service I've mentioned. There are 500 hours of my class recordings available to you absolutely free for your first month. It is $7 a month thereafter. You can unsubscribe at any time. In addition, we provide a private Facebook group so you can ask questions, interact with me, and get the answers that you need. You can find all of that information, classes, retail at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. And back again, Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast and Nikkei Roach. Tell them again just a little bit about yourself and how they can contact you. Sure. I am Nikkei Roach, massage therapist and massage marketer since forever. Um, and I can be reached either on LinkedIn, Instagram, or even Facebook at Nikkei Roach. Or you can find me at NikkeiRoach.com and that's spelled N-I-K-E-R-O-A-C-H.com. Nice. Uh, what do you see? We talked kind of about, it sounded like independent practitioners. What do you see with like spa or clinic owners? What are the stumbling blocks some of them have? I don't deal with this as much. Like what, what have you encountered in like work, trying to work with them? Um, and, and it's two, two points. And I, I always go back and, and that's what I, if you ever go to NikkeiRoach.com, you know, I, I do a 15 minute strategy call, which is free. It doesn't cost me, cost you anything. It's just to figure out. So two questions 
that you should ask yourself for a spa. If you own a multi-unit practice, if that's a spa or that's a health and wellness center, I own a health and wellness center, which has multiple practitioners, different styles, different techniques, and different modalities with regard to massage, as well as other health and wellness components. It's two things. One, how long you want that business? Two, do you want to sell it one day? That's important. It sounds strange and it it sounds really far reaching. And when I talk to folks who own businesses, I say, what is your long? And I know it sounds almost like I'm a banker, but if you hang around bankers and you, you hang around accountants long, you have to do forecasting. You sort of have to think way beyond your profession. And if you say, I want this baby and I want it to be my name, like if I say Robert Gardner Health and Wellness, it's his name. It's his brand. But what if you want to eventually sell that? That is a that is a, if you want to hold it for twenty for the rest of your life, then name it after yourself. That's a good way. You're you're the only one yourself. I'm the only Nikkei Roach. But what happens down the road? Because if you know what you're going to do down the road, then if you're marketing, you sort of if you're marketing to sell down the road, then you need to de-emphasize yourself. So if you're the if you're the lead, the he, the head chief or something like that, create a title of your business. And it's a little bit more expensive to go this route. But if you're looking to sell and, and one of my friends, Felicia, who's a, a well, well known, she's in the cosmetic space and everything. Felicia uh, Brown. Um, she sold her practice. And why did she sell her practice? Because it didn't have her name in it. And then she went back into practice. And now she's a CE provider, both in, in the uh cosmetic world and as well as the health and wellness space. So it's kind of that kind of answer is like, what do you want to do? And then from there, your marketing should, should go appropriate. If you're going to be the chief and you're going to have a whole bunch of people working with you or subcontractors or employees, then that's okay. But if it's going to be something you're hoping to, to graduate to become something else, then you probably need to have a, and, it, and here's the thing. If you get to the point where you don't know and you're ready to do, then you start. You need to start, you know, talking with your with your, um, you know, legal folks to to maybe rename the business, to start de-emphasizing, so you can prepare to either sell it, which does happen. You know, I know people think, oh, I can't sell my my practice. Yes, you people do it all the time, and they and those who do it very effectively and smart, you know, can make pretty good deals, and then they can go on to either stay within the practice or Go do something else, like become a teacher. <laughs> yeah, different different revenue streams. So Justine Cox is asking us if there's any advice about someone having to try to make the jump towards it looks like opening a wellness center of their own. Mm. So if, if you're talking about going from just an independent to working in the, the wellness, find out first quickly what is what are natural connectors. In our space, the first connector we found was an acupuncture. It was a natural segue into that. And, you know, we have enough acupunctures running around. It just requires you some 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 adjustments, but it's not as hard as you might think it is. It's just finding the demographics, finding the practitioners that naturally marry with yours, and then being able to do the financials that make sense. So and, and I started out when I first started out very similar. I started out with my name was the name and probably about four iterations later, 
<laughs> it changed into you know to a to a health and wellness center, which the 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 principles are de-emphasized um, intentionally um, and and can move out. You know, so it's it's just it's not as hard as you might think. But ask yourself real quickly, um, you know, just is it justice or justice? Justice, sorry, justice. What is your long-term strategy with your wellness center? And and just finding things that your community and the people want. Okay, that's the key key component. It's not really trying to reinvent the wheel. And I think that's the really biggest thing is sometimes we want to massage practitioners are very creative people. We are creative. We we are we are artists. We are practitioners, we're healers, we're we're technocrats in, in many cases, meaning we like technique and you know strategy and everything like that, but we're artists. So we have different names and different titles to different professions that we do. But the question you want to ask yourself is what will the market bear? What is your customer asking for? If you have an awesome, amazing technique that costs you $20,000, but the market will not bear that, then you find yourself frustrated. Trying to explain to massage therapists that primarily what I see in practice, most therapists across the board, people are coming in for relaxation or pain relief or some combination. Mm -hmm. But if you can deliver that pain relief through what you're calling manual therapy, they're like, well, I can't, I can't legally say that, can I? And I go, what laws prevent it? I mean, of course, depending on your state, it's right. different, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, does a person respect massage or do they respect manual therapy? And they're like, oh, I'm like, you're still providing a massage service. Mm -hmm. But in your language, changing just that little verbiage to manual therapy, manual therapy techniques, you know, like it's not wowing them with certain modalities per se. But from a marketing perspective, being able to use your target market client's language providing them their hopes and dreams using language to like pull them in to whatever that is so you can provide the service exactly. you and i know nikkei like how long have you been a massage therapist by the way uh practicing since 89 oh a little while i rolled out of high school in my first it, it, I, I let me back up i first became a health and wellness practitioner in 89 massage along with other things emergency medicine whatever but i became a licensed massage therapist here in north carolina in 99 i think um got nationally certified whatever years before that when when they made us do it because <laughs> in north carolina you know whatever you know we kind of came along for the ride eventually but uh, yeah, been doing this for a while. So one of the things that would happen when I was working at a chiropractor's office, this is long before I had my own private practice like I do now, a client would come in and they were getting to know me and they'd say, so what kind of massage do you do? And I'd say, hold on, where do you hurt? Where are you experiencing discomfort or stiffness or pain? And they go, oh, well, I have this and I'm like, good. And then I'm like a mechanic. I'm like, okay, we're going to go in, like take off your shoes, lay them, you know, because if I start saying, well, I've studied manual therapy techniques related to trigger point therapy and myofascial release, like it doesn't mean anything to them. They don't necessarily know what that is. They just know that they purchased a massage. But if we set ourselves up as experts 
and problem solvers. Yep. They'll allow us to break out a huge array of tools depending on where you personally like to take your clients. Absolutely. And I, I wanted to dovetail that in a little bit more is and, and this is a, another point that I didn't bring out earlier is you, me, and pretty much the thousands of massage therapists across the world speak a certain language. It's like IT. You know, physicians speak, you know, medical speak, and I'm not going to go there. Each industry has their own language. You know what manual therapy is. I know what Thai massage is. Some people might know what Tui Na is, reflexology, prenatal. We have all these terms that we sort of know what it is because we've heard it so many times from our educators or our CEUs or whatever. That not, the public has no freaking idea what you're talking about. And yeah. it becomes cumbersome because if you say you're massage only, and that's what you do, and you're competing against a franchise, you know, they're going to look at apples and apples and they're going to say, well, you say, well, I'm a strawberry. He said, but you do apples, right? Yeah, I do apples. I went to apple school, but I'm a strawberry. Until you stop using the apple language, you're going to always find yourself. I'm using, you know, I'm using kind of metaphor here. So I hope everybody's catching on. You have to be able to change the language to a language that can easily be digested by the general public. And, and, and here's the key. The other point I wanted to make was allow the person to come in and you build your value when they come in. Don't try to build them at the door. It's kind of like trying to propose to somebody at the bar. That's the worst place to do it. Maybe you need to have dinner with them. Maybe you need to come in and, and say, where do you hurt? Thank you, Robert, for that one. And then from there, let's go into detective mode. It matters not because then they stop asking you, so what technique was that? I heard you helped me. You healed me. I don't care if you danced on me or poured some oil on me or did some crystals. I don't really care what it is you did or you found that whatever point you made me feel good. I don't hurt. I'm going to tell my friends. I'm an, I don't know what it is, but they work. <laughs> It's sort of like acupuncturist. That's the funniest thing is because to try to tell somebody what acupuncture is, I, I can give you a very technical answer. I have two science backgrounds. My answer, and I know it sounds, it is. it took me years of me training with some of the most successful marketers. And this is an answer that might flip most of you out. Take, you know, it's, you know, stop drinking, you know, whatever you do, sit down. Stop drinking because I don't want you to spit out. It's going to make you sound stupid. The answer, I don't know. All I know is my back was hurting. I needed a massage therapist. I had this issue. The acupuncturist put about 10 needles in me. It felt better. Mm -hmm. I have no issues. I've never had a client act like I'm less than professional when I didn't have a scientifically backed research study to say, how did you know to work on that area? And I'd say, listen, I've been doing this 20 years. I just work on people and I had a hunch. Yeah, we're good. 
You know, it's like they never look look at me like I, he doesn't know what he's doing because he can't scientifically explain it. They just go, how did he how did he know that? And it's like and I tell people I work on pain. I've, I'm a chronic pain sufferer and survivor. And I know a lot about it because this is how I worked on myself to help myself with pain. And now I provide that for clients. The, the trust, rapport, and response that I get in connection with chronic pain sufferers is very deep. They don't look at my work as massage really at all. They really look at it more in that more, more like manual therapy category. It, it, and I think that was beautiful the way you just put that. You, you, you qualified it really important. And, and you didn't qualify it technical. You qualified it as a visceral personal experience. I am a survivor. I, I, I intuit this stuff because I know the pathways of pain. Do I need to know this, 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 you know, this is how this works. This is this muscular system. This is the neurological system. Do I need to go that deep? Not really. And even in our, in our community, and it, and it sounds strange, doctor, and I don't want to say dumb it down, and, and I don't want to, you know, denigrate the profession, but you have to make it digestible for the person to come before you. You know, you're not teaching at a, you know, academia is famous for all kinds of stories and all kinds of anecdotes and all kinds of research and all kinds of technical papers and everything. But does anybody who come into your table for an hour really need a full on explanation and a technical if anything is going to leave them all foggy head and confused when they walk out a little a little piece goes a long way and i know that massage therapists sometimes feel like if you if you just got out of massage school and you just got your license i know that you're just getting your feet wet and you feel maybe you have a little imposter syndrome you got the license you passed your mblex you feel like you don't know a lot i want you to do something 80 percent of the clients you see are going to have problems with their upper back and neck Yep. If there is a muscular anatomy chart on the wall and after you work on their upper back and neck, after they dress, after they begin to come out, you go, hey, one second. And I want you to walk up to that anatomy chart and go, listen, there's a muscle right here called levator scapula. It elevates your scapula, levator scapula. This muscle right here, you're going to stretch this. I'm going to show you this right here. People would tip me more. They're like, whoa, I never had a massage therapist educate me. Mm -hmm. And that's just musculoskeletal anatomy. That's extremely rudimentary stuff that every massage therapist is somewhat aware of. That if you just break it down and make bodies not so confusing, I also feel like it empowers the person to feel like they can know more about their own body and work on themselves. Exactly. And I think you've already touched on it. And each person is it. I I often tell, and, and this is sort of the gray area um, of what I tell folks, and you can take it for what it's worth. And I don't think I'm in every state. I think I'm pretty much legally covered. I don't know, hundred percent. So don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody want to sue me? Don't. I don't. I'm not a physician. I got to put that disclaimer. I tell folks, the best doctor in the world resides in you because no other person can intuit the thing that you can because you are a first person. In other words, you can convey to your physician, to your primary, to your practitioner what hurts. They can use their um, palpatory skills, 
their education to determine based on what they know and what their experience is, but only you know where you hurt first. And then, like you said, you're a collaborator, you're a colleague, you're educating them, you're giving them the points and say, if you just stretch this, it empowers them. And again, go back to marketing. You're always thinking long-term and how can I help this person succeed? And that's an easy marketing. And it's not about, you know, SEO. It's not about a funnel. It's not about, you know, how many emails. It's not about autoresponders. It's how can I help that person succeed? And you help enough people succeed. It's not my quote. And I can't remember where it came from. You'll become successful. It's natural. Feeding feeding people their dreams. When people take CE classes with me, they... They sometimes um, – they're a little taken aback, I think, because I don't take this top-down model. I'm the teacher. Do what I tell you. <laughs> I go, hey, Nikkei, what's going on? Like It's almost like it's level. We're asking questions together. But when I provide so much value to students, they're like, I don't understand. You're giving this away for pennies on the dollar. And I'm like, I'm not done yet. This is the foundation. If I let you manifest your dreams for $7 a month, guess who's going to win? It's not going to get smaller. The $7 a month is just to get you involved so that you want a workbook and a DVD set and you want to come to class and you want to go to the cruise and you want to go to Hawaii and you want to go to retreat. It's like you know, different layers of that value proposition. If you can win from a value proposition, not money, but actual value, like what benefit does the client get? Mm -hmm. What benefit does the student get? If I can provide that, then it's just returned sometimes exponentially. It, very much so. Exponent and it, it just how, how it works, you know, going up the value ladder. I love that. <laughs> I've used that many times. <laughs> so what are some other things that you see in the overall marketplace? Is uh, anything that is there anything that bothers you? Things that you see, maybe even business advice that you don't like, that you've almost like disagree with. Um, <laughs> see, now you're gonna make me get real. Um, <laughs> and this this is educational type type stuff, which, and this is one of the reasons why I had to back out. And I think, and and I hope I'm you know I'm not stepping on your toes, is. Our our profession has this predisposition to CEU stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if it ain't if if you can't get twenty hours or fifteen hours out of it, you know I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you, my greatest professionals and professors in our space studied for non CEU related courses. Yep. My teacher who taught me to, who who I who I, I intuited out just a little bit about eight and gave me an appreciation for Eastern medicine did not get a CEU to go travel to China. Yeah. I mean she might have got some out of it, but come on now, that was an extended trip. That's not a CEU thing. So it's I think one of our biggest Achilles heel in the professional space as our dependency on knowledge that is acquired through the CE process. It has a legitimacy. We should continue with the CE process because it sort of brings us up, you know, it brings us up as an official, you know, health and wellness practitioner, you know, chiropractors have it, physical therapists, physicians have it, most professions have it, even lawyers have it. 
Uh, HR professionals have it. They they have a requirement just to make sure that you're up to date and you're still, you know, you're a, you're a, not only just a practitioner, but you're always looking to learn because the danger is that you'll stop learning and you become stagnant and you just don't want to move yep. and you know you think you're all good. That makes sense to continue just for the legitimacy and the professionalism and the standards that we should espouse to. But you got to go off, the, you know, you got to go off, off the family land. You got to go into the territories that that you that you that you learn. Um, and it's sort of strange. Some of the greatest marketing that I'd learned was in a personal development course. <laughs> Why would you go to a personal development course and learn more about marketing and SEO and website development and relationship and, and empowering people and getting people behind a movement and learning how to create a business that supports a nonprofit mission? The point here, have a business, make a lot of money, find a mission that needs a lot of money. There's a lot of missions that you want to do, things you want to support, you know, things, you know, in my case, I do a lot of stuff for veterans. That's my thing. That's my spiel. I make a lot. I make money to support veterans and veteran services. I support organizations and work with organizations to get kids out of slavery, sexual or otherwise. I work with organizations that help build houses to empower people all over the world and get this human, you know, psyche moving forward and not getting stagnant and all and racism and all that other kind of weird. That's personal to me, but I need to make money to do that. So, yeah. well, I mean, the, the the classic example to me is Bill Gates. Oh God, Bill yeah. Gates, you know, got got you know, canned forever because he's such a monopolist, corporatist, capitalist, and now he's like, hey, Warren Buffett. <laughs> I do. Give well, let's money. have our found. Let's have our foundation and like cure malaria worldwide exactly let's you know let's get make sure people have water and like sustainable basically like sewage like to be able to deal with wastewater contamination you know all across africa it's like that's what's possible not when it's a manifestation just of money but when it's a manifestation of like what do you want to do and what's in your heart exactly what can you do with that energy exchange once you've got enough money to create the spa alternative the clinic alternative Mm -hmm. the wellness space practice you know that you want to manifest it's interesting because like i worked at a nonprofit for a short time and the nonprofit had very idealistic goals and what i found out over time is that nonprofits are really profitable <laughs> if they run well, <laughs> ooh, we we are not going to open that can of worms. We are not going to do that. Um, I no, you will not hear. I'm going to. Oh, that is. I, Robert, you are a very intuitive person. Apparently, you know what to ask a question, bring up something. Uh, I don't know. We we we've only met each other kind of through you know social media, but to really bring up some things about subject matters that are a little dangerous, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're near and dear. And I understand why they do it. And they're they're And I'm not saying, okay, never, we're not going to go there. Cause that'll get me an old <laughs> and we'll be here for the next half hour. But I, I wanted to say, you know, kind of be able, go study other stuff. I, I, I say, 
massage is great. It's a great profession. You're going to stay in that space. You're going to work with massage therapists, but don't be afraid to go learn legal profession. Don't be, you know, go learn, you know, HR. Okay. You, you, you sort of, you sort of think that all you need to do is learn massage, but what happens? Do you have to follow payroll? What happens when you have OSHA, you know, stuff you have to go through? What happens when you have employment and employee manuals? Okay, which we're revamping ours now. If you're going to move from just a owner operator to a wellness space, you have to go into other spaces to learn what general business practitioners do. Other practitioners, if it's in accounting, you have to do that. If it's in marketing, go and do that. If it's in legal space, go and do that. If it's infrastructure, growth, capability, learning communication skills, it's important. If you're going to speak from a platform, meaning you're going to speak on stage, you got to go to school for that. And that's a whole different ballgame. And I have like 21 points on that one. But, <laughs> but but always being able to develop, always looking to develop yourself from more than you are. Because the reality is, and I think you already noticed, Robert, and I'll cut it short now, is your hands, um, your physical capabilities can only touch a finite number of people. Yep. That That does not matter. You know, if we're talking, you're having, you know, 40 clients or 4,000 clients or 4,000 patients, depending on how you do it, you can only touch them, but you have to be developing that mind, that ability to touch others. Like Robert, you do, you have this program that you have, which, you know, gets people at the entry level, but if you really pay attention, and I always say this to folks, and this is where I'm going to end it, is find somebody doing what you want to do. And just model, not copy, not copy. That's illegal. And Robert will sue you probably like he should if you copy him. (laughs) Okay. Model what he does. Find out somebody who's successful and model what they do. Ask them some deep questions. Give them a burger or two. Pay them some money. I I find if you pay people a lot of money, they'll tell you the truth. (laughs) Yeah. you don't have to always, maybe they just need, maybe you need to come and support their organization. When I pay money doesn't necessarily mean physically paying them. It could be, you know, come work in their mission, come build a house with that. They're passionate about. It doesn't necessarily mean you got to give them a dollar, go support what they support. And they will, they will intuitively want to give you more. Yep. So Nikkei, thank you so much for contributing to the podcast today. Can you again tell them where they can find you one last time all over social media? I'll be happy to. Thank you, uh, Robert. Um, you can find me at NikkeiRoach.com. That's N-I-K-E-R-O-A-C-H. You can also reach me on podcasts at Massage Marketing Secrets, or you can reach me on Instagram or LinkedIn or some other place by Nikkei Roach. If you just Google in any platform with exception of Twitter, I don't do Twitter. Um, <laughs> you can find Nikkei Roach and I'll be happy to communicate with you. And, and like, like this platform, I give away a lot because I believe it, you know, you give enough, you share enough, you'll get what you want. Yeah. All right. And guys, thank you again so much for tuning into the podcast. If you'd like to check out any of my educational materials, the upcoming classes in Virginia Beach, Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Illinois, go ahead and check that out at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store.